smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still! Oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish! Must be the opening goal. Benedetto! And Bagnon! Fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Hello and a very warm welcome to Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in association with BT Sport. It's a dead heat in the Olympico as 10-man Marseille hold firm in Lyon. Paris Saint-Germain hit Angers for six. Renault Ripard cements his status as a Nîmes legend and leaders Ren are pegged back by Reims. We also, in this podcast, have an exclusive interview with Ander Herrera. Lots of really interesting stuff from the PSG midfielder. Joining uh, me, Matt Spiro, today in uh, a rather grey, damp Paris is uh, is Robbie Thompson. Hi, Rob. Hello, Matt. How are you going? Yeah, go, going pretty well. We're, we're waiting for the uh, announcements here for the latest... Uh, measures um to fight covid i think when it rains be... it pours doesn't it i mean the weather's been awful and mm. now they're gonna lock us all indoors again well we'll see we'll see we'll see what's going to happen armel you're you're, you're joining us uh, despite the fact you've got an important football match uh, later today it's not very important but yeah i'm uh, looking forward to it thanks yeah morning everyone no, it's a, it's a, it's a good kick about. I I I used to do it back in the day that Omar de Fonseca our, our friend from from being sports a former Argentine striker who is a very charismatic uh, chap. Ligue 1 champion. He was a Ligue 1 champion with Paris Saint-Germain back in 1986. And he organises these kickabouts and and they're good fun. So we'll get on with the podcast um, so that Armel can go and uh, show off his skills. We're going to start with with the Olympico. It was the big game in uh, round six. Lyon versus Marseille, a game in which uh, both sides were under pressure. They were both uh, starting the weekend in the bottom half of the standings and uh, both needed a victory. Here's what happened. I had the pleasure of commentating this one at the Group Armour Stadium. Tovan still going. It's opened up in the middle for Payet. Payet's goal! A superb finish from Dimitri Payet and Marseille with their first attack have opened the scoring against Lyon. Ah, Dubois has been hurt here by Dimitri Payet. Stephanie Frappard is going to reach into her pocket and show a red card to Payet. Here's Bard. Oh dear, no. That's... Is it a penalty? The referee is given a penalty. Melvin Bard drawing the challenge. Awar against Montonda and Usamawa. The man who has, it seems, resisted a move away from Leon strikes such an important goal here. Mondonda went the right way, but uh, Awar's penalty was uh, firmly struck. Yes, well, that sending off early of Dimitri Payet just two minutes after he uh, scored the opening goal really did change the game because um, it was 11 against 10 for more than 70 minutes. Leon managed to get level um, thanks to that penalty from Usam Awa quite quite quickly. It was really good work from Melvin Bard, the uh, 19-year-old left-back who had a really impressive match for Leon. But 
Guys, we've seen it this season. We saw it last week against Lorient, where Lorient defended 10 men behind the ball. Marseille did it partly out of necessity because they only had 10 players on the pitch. So they defended, they defended, they defended. And Lyon, I think they had 24 attempts on goal. They had 65% of the possession. But they couldn't, they couldn't find a way through. And this seems to be the big, the big issue for, for, for Rudy Garcia, Robbie, at the moment, finding, finding goals against teams that, that defend. Absolutely, but it's the hardest thing to do in football. I mean, when you're, when you're against a side that have got eight players, two lines of four or five and three or five and four behind the ball defending on their edge of their own box, there's no space. I'm trying to think very quickly if Mondonda made any spectacular saves. No. I, can't, I don't really Marseille feel like had, he had an uh, incredible game. Marseille, even before they scored, so their, their goal on 16 minutes was the first time pretty much they'd been in Lyon's half. Mm-hmm. So they were incredibly clinical, much like they were at the Parc des Princes. Tovan found Payet, side foot finish, 1-0. And then, yeah, and then it was all defending. There was one moment in the second half where Tovan went on a little run, cut it back and... Uh, can't remember who it was. Thiago Mendes very nearly put past his own goalkeeper. Exactly. But no, I mean, uh, you know, ab- apart from that, it was it was all Leon. And um, yeah, did Mondonda have saves to make? <laughs> not not an awful lot. I mean, there was the goal that Cadawiri had ruled out, which mm-hmm. Mondonda he pushed Tokoikambi's shot onto yeah. the post. Cadawiri scored, and it was a lovely moment for him that then turned out to, into a bad moment because. After the VAR, it, it, it was cancelled out. So, Can we talk about VAR quickly, Matt? You didn't mention it. Um, there was a red card for Payet, which was, if you're a Marseille fan, I don't think you're too happy about. There was a penalty then for Lyon, which if you're a Marseille fan, I don't think you're too happy about. And uh, there were a couple whoa, whoa, of other whoa, whoa, VAR whoa. incidents as well. Well, I mean, in my commentary, I... You might you you might have you heard as I as Bard went down. I was like, oh no, you know, I thought he was diving. I thought he was looking mm-hmm. for it. But then on the replay, it's clear. I mean, but he's knocked the ball out of play. Already. Well, it, the ball hasn't gone out of play yet. And Alvaro steps on his foot, um, and 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 he goes down. I, I don't think there's any question marks about that. As for Payet, you know, it was it was stupid. I, I don't think he can have any complaints. But it, I know what you're saying because it looked innocuous because mm. Leo Dubois had the ball and it was a, a sort of a half-hearted tackle. It wasn't one of these lunging studs up yeah. trying to hurt the guy. But he did go in studs up. He he ripped Leo Dubois' sock. I think Leo Dubois, I don't know, maybe it was very painful, but he made a, a, a hell of a lot of noise and, and rolled about quite a lot. That's because there's no one in the stadium. But honestly, I, I think Stephanie Frappart, um, who was in charge of this very big... Um, very big match, very volatile match. Did a did, did a perfect job, and I, I don't. No, I think she did a good job, and I thought I th- there was no VAR on the penalty. Uh, there was confirmation, perhaps, but she made that call, so she saw the foot on the step of Gonzalez on Bard as well. So I mean, that was a, a strong call from her. I think she had a good game otherwise, and kept it pretty but much under wraps. From a wider perspective, we have seen an unbelievable amount of cards in this early season. Um, match day three of the season saw more cards than we've ever seen before in Ligue 1. 55 in total, five reds. And, you know, we've we've seen... There were, it's just been a little bit... You mentioned Andre Girotto's red card in the in the build-up to today's pod, which is another questionable one this weekend. It's just but been a little... He was kicking the ball. I mean, that was yeah. just and ridiculous red card, I, honestly. That was just the o- ridiculous. Opening day with Sasha Bowie's red card, which okay, was a high foot, Florent Mollet as well. It's... But there were no, two I, red I cards for Saint-Étienne as well. Wabi Kazri's red card, it's spectacular. But mm. it, it's, if you, again, if you're a Saint-Étienne fan, it's not clear-cut. Mm. And, and even while I think Kolodzicek deserved his red 
when you see the 15th replay and again same with bard it's it's changing okay so maybe matt my 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 point is not the var has more problems la da 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 this is not football but it's changing the way we need to watch football and understand football because well, there are no the more commentary. sliding tackles yeah i, sa- I, no I said i said in the commentary as soon as stephanie frappa decided to go to the var it was going to be red yeah. because you know it was studs up and 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 no. they look obviously they look worse on 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 slow motions but listen we're talking about this Leon Marseille game we're talking about Payet and for me that's not I mean Armel you use the term questionable decision it's not a questionable decision it's mm. a red card and sadly it did I wouldn't say it ruined the game but it certainly changed the game because it just became attack against defense and mm. you know credit to Marseille particularly Chaleta Saar and uh, Alvaro who were, who were impressive um, at, at centre-back and they and they showed good spirit they they did ride their luck because while Mondonda didn't have too many saves um, there were some really near misses. The uh, Kadawiri offside goal, but also um, that cross from Memphis, who came on with 20 minutes to go, played it across the goal, yeah, and just got a touch. Dembele would have scored, but somebody just Sakai, touched I think, it. Just got the faintest got touch, yeah. and then it went to Thiago Mendes at the far post, and he should have scored as well, and he hit the hit outside the of the post. Kadawiri had a header that just wide that Mondonda could only watch as well. You're, you're, you're right to highlight Marseille's defensive stability because it's the only thing really keeping them afloat at the moment. Interesting. Uh, Fact from the weekend that um, I know I dig at him every week, but Dario Benedetto has now played more minutes for Marseille than Costas Mitroglou and scored fewer goals. What do we make of that? <laughs> I know he has. Do you think Costas Mitroglou would have scored on Sunday? No, you're right. You're right. And Benedetto is very much out of sorts. So we have to see if Villas-Boas can revive him somewhat. But that's I, the I, beauty of football is the, just the perceptions. Yeah. You just decide that Costas Mitroglou is hopeless and that everyone's on his back and we decide that Benedetto or Marseille fans decide that Benedetto is great, and that's it. Let's just go back to the, <laughs> uh, to, to, to the Leon game and, and their problems and the current situation. So we are recording this late on a Monday morning. The transfer window is closing in a few hours. Janino, uh, after the game, said that, yes, Memphis Depay has agreed terms with Barcelona, and it's a question of whether Barcelona can pay the fee, which is thought to be €25 million. Euros. Um, but it, it, you know, as we're doing this podcast, it looks like Memphis is going, and that's why he didn't start the game. Um, Usamawa, however, we know is definitely staying and he talked about that, his reasons for, for staying after the game, which I saw his interview didn't didn't look that clear. He just sort of had a smirk and said, oh, I, you know, I wanted to, to to stay at my boyhood team and I uh, want, you know, so the real reasons, the real reasons why it fell through, I think essentially are because Leon didn't get offers that they wanted in terms of the money they wanted for our. I think the, the most Arsenal offered was uh, 38 million euros. And I think he's worth more than that. And I tell you what, he looked he looked very good. I think he was Leon's best player um, on Sunday night. He looked determined and that that's great news for Leon. But in terms of the front three, Kadawiri, Toko Ikambi and, and Maxwell Corne, I mean, it, it was lacking in quality. Um, you know, Kadawiri might develop. But Leon, Leon, you know, with Memphis going, as it, you know, it seems, I, I would worry a little bit in terms of Leon's attacking strength and you know the fact that they're gonna have to take more chances and I'm not sure Toko Ikombi, um Maxwell Corny Kadawiri. Yes, Dembele should should come in and, and and start scoring goals, but uh you know Leon's still in the bottom half. Worrying times for their for their supporters. T- two teams that are very blunt at the moment in that game. Two teams that are really lacking attacking edge, Payet and Tovan, who are, you know, very, very good players uh, in Liga in recent years are not performing at all. And as you've mentioned, the same in Leon's side. So 
something really needs to needs to change for both of those sides. Maybe we'll see a few signings later on today. Fingers crossed. But uh, but yeah, so far there's a lot for Rudy Garcia and AVB to work on. I think I think if Depay leaves, it's going to be more than anything. It's going to take a few weeks just to try and rejig the chemistry up front and the way they're playing. They've got Ryan Shirky, who's got huge potential to come in. You just cited the names, Matt, of the, of the players they have. Moussa Dembele started on the bench. He's their top scorer the last two seasons with, with Depay. He's a player capable of doing it. I think they have options. It's just a matter of, of relearning to play without every pass, every attacking transition going through Depay first, which is what happens at the moment. I get No, I get what you're saying, but saying, oh, it's going to take a, a few weeks. Listen, Leon have been saying for the last few weeks, oh, we're going to have to wait till the end of the transfer window. Rudy Garcia mm. last night said, oh, our, our season starts on Tuesday. But, you know, at some point, you can't keep saying we need a few more weeks. You know, Leon finished seventh last season. They are, what, their 13th at, at the moment. And, you know, it's not good enough. And you wonder how how much time Rudy Garcia has got to turn things around. They've spent a lot of money on Lucas Paqueta, the um, the midfielder who's coming from Milan. He was on the bench and was warming up, but but didn't come on in, in the Olympico. He's obviously quality. He's got, you know, he's, he's an attacking midfielder, but was he not signed to replace Usamawa? I'm, I'm just... I'm not convinced at the moment that the plan is kind of, you know, that coherent. Well, I think there, there's it's this problem between coaches and recruitment managers and sporting directors and who's, who's pulling the strings. Is everyone working in the same direction? Yeah. Because you have to give at least that united front, don't you? Unless you're trying to send messages and, and make things happen. Yeah, Robbie, I sense that you're looking for a transition to come on to, to, to PSG where there are certain issues. But Leon, you're right. I mean, this, there, there are, again, these are, these are whispers, rumours that sort of Janino is not necessarily um, on the same wavelength as Bruno Sheru, who's come in as the head of recruitment this summer. Janino pushing for, for Brazilian transfers. Um, we had the same thing with <laughs> AVB as well. AVB and Zubi zaretta has gone. There's a new sporting director, Longoria, at Marseille. He's trying to bring in players. I'm, I am preparing the ground for a, a PSG chat and just showing that it's the same everywhere, perhaps. Let's talk about PSG. <laughs> Paris Saint-Germain, four wins in a row. I've, uh, I've given it away, by the way. They, they were victorious against Angers at the Parc des Princes. Armel Tanguy was the... Uh, was the commentator. Here are a few highlights from PSG Angers. Neymar lets it run. Goes through Koulibaly as if he wasn't there. The Malian got back well. It's found its way to Draxler anyway. Florenzi. At goal, Florenzi. And a first Paris Saint-Germain goal for Florenzi. A brilliant finish from the Italian. Mbappe. Let's it run for Vanatti. Mbappe once again. Through two men, killing Mbappe and back for Neymar. And Paris Saint-Germain, 2-0 up. They change gear in the blink of an eye. Neymar. Sarabia. Icardi in the middle. Mbappe there too. And Paris Saint-Germain get their sixth through Kylian Mbappe. And Kylian Mbappe does join the goal-scoring party. Armel, Paris Saint-Germain... Uh back to, I don't know if they're back to their best, but they're back to their old tricks, putting six goals past Angers. Angers, who were level with them on points before kickoff, but uh, no real contest in the end. We saw Mbappe um, playing up top with Icardi, Neymar and Draxler on the flanks with Di Maria suspended. And uh, I guess the result never looked in doubt. Ooh, I don't know. I'll come back to that one. I'll start with my assessment of PSG. 
And then I'd like to say a, an, an angry word about Angers. But I'll start with Paris Saint-Germain. Um, I think their, you know, their attacking talent more than made up when you look at the scoreline for a performance which could have gone in a totally different direction at the start of the second half. Um, there's there's something still not quite clicking at Paris Saint-Germain, but fortunately for them, they've got unbelievable players going forward. Mbappe can just find a gap in the smallest of, of spaces to to get through defences. Uh, Neymar wasn't quite as uh, dancing as he was against Raus, but, you know, in form in front of goal. Draxler looks good again, which is good news for Paris Saint-Germain at the moment with their coach complaining about a thin squad. So going forward, yes, it's good. But... And if I can maybe do my first ever could go, is that all right with everyone? Yeah, yeah, let's play. Oh, hang let's, on, we're, uh, going to, we're going to introduce you then. Let's play the Are jingle. Oh, quelle bande de chèvres. C'est mon coup de gueule. So, what is it with Angers, right? They, they got promoted back to Ligue 1 in 2015. They've been to the Parc des Princes. That was the sixth time they've been. Every time they set up the same way, with 11 men in their own half. The first time they went, they lost 5-1. They've conceded... Two goals minimum each time they've gone to Paris Saint-Germain. Under the same coach each time. Same tactic again. No wonder you concede six. Paris Saint-Germain must see that, oh, look, it's Angers coming to town. Well, go to town on them. It's, I, I just don't understand how you can go there and set up with the same tactic year after year, get spanked and come back the year after and go, yeah, let's set up defensively again. And this leads me on to the fact that the start of the second half, if they'd have been a little more ambitious, a little more clinical. Paris Saint-Germain left them the spaces. Ryanite Nouri, who I'm sad to say is playing, you know, he's played his last game for Angers because he was brilliant. Haven't had the chance to see much of them, but he was by far and away their best player. And Angers really could have been, they should have been back to 3-2, 10 minutes after the, the restart. I think they could have even equalised the way Paris Saint-Germain were playing at the start of the second half. But it's So you're saying not- their tactic almost worked then? No, I'm not saying that. I'm <laughs> saying because of their tactic and because of the way they went into that game in terms of mindset, we saw pictures that showed Stefan Moulin, their coach, asking for Neymar's shirt before the end of the game. Right, it was already 6-1. A coach asking for an opposition player's shirt during the game. And to get make it worse, I don't know if you saw Kylian Mbappe going off at half-time. He didn't have a shirt on. Where was his shirt? In the captain's hands. They were losing 2-0 at half-time. What is going on? This is a professional football team. Are you there to win or are you just there because it's the Parc des Princes and it's nice to play? I just don't get it. Well, they say it's difficult to take anything from the Parc des Princes, but Moulin has uh, has come away with a Neymar shirt. But it, no, I agree. I don't even have a Neymar shirt. I agree. Pretty... <laughs> Pretty shocking, no? No, that's, that's not good. I didn't, I didn't he has see apo- that he, before he, the game's finished. He has apologised this morning to Andre fans, saying that he's got an eight-year-old son who really uh, wanted to name our shirt. I wasn't, I wasn't sure that was the case, but I'm sure he's been there six times, as Amel's just said. And between the president who asks for Neymar and Kylian Mbappe's shirt at the end of every, every game, the referees that get their shirts, everyone else, the friends and families, he probably felt, maybe tonight's the night, I've got to get in early. The eight-year-old's been asking me for the last three years, you know, fair enough that a coach picks up shirts, but it should be done once you're in the tunnel at the end of the game. You send somebody else to go and to go and get it for you. That I agree entirely. However, about the match, I thought Angers, as you rightly say, they lacked a bit of ambition, but I thought they tried to play midway through the first half. Even they started bringing the ball out, playing it out. It didn't look it didn't look too bad. But as you say, Paris Saint Germain up front, spectacular. The second goal. Is, is just breathtaking. Mm. Neymar's goal with, involved with Mbappe. Is Draxler involved in that as well? 
but it's, it's it's like a double one two and and cutback and Killian and fantastic goal. Yeah, so it, it finished six uh, one. A wonderful lob from Florenzi to uh, to open his PSG account. Two goals from Neymar, one from Draxler, one from Gay, and one from Mbappe. And we talk about PSG perhaps lacking a bit of. Uh, Team play and and cohesion. Certainly, one player that they signed uh, a year ago um, is very much a team player, and I think Ander Herrera has brought a lot of that kind of that professionalism and that that desire to to, to instill this collective sense at at Paris Saint Germain. And Robbie had a really interesting chat with the former Manchester United midfielder who is much more involved these days. He had an injury-plagued first season, was only involved in eight Liga matches last term. He's already featured in six uh, this time around. He was impressive in the final eight in, in Lisbon, and I think that was the first time, really, that French football fans got a, got a glimpse of, of what a quality player Ander Herrera is. Um, and, uh, yeah, he talked to Robbie, notably, about, about the fact that he does want to become an important player, an integral member of this Paris Saint-Germain side. I would like to, to play every game of the season. I would like to be de- decisive, decisive every, every game of the season. But football is not that easy. <laughs> uh, you, the only thing you can do is try to be ready, train good, be a professional, try to, to look after yourself and things will come. Uh, luckily, things came in the best moment of the season or in the most uh, crucial moment of the season. But uh, I'm ready to help always in league matches, cup matches, Champions League, of course, is the, the, the most beautiful competition for, for everyone. Um, but uh, as I told you now, I just like to be important. I just like to feel um, useful for, for the team, for the club, for the manager. And I'm so happy with the, with the way, uh, not not the way we finish the competition, but the way we, we play the Champions League. I think uh, uh, even the final, we deserve more after um, missing three big chances or four chances in the in the first half. And you finish the game losing, you have that feeling of, uh, of it's not fair, no? Because if you score in the first half where, where we created the, the biggest chances, probably we would, we would have been champions of Europe. But now, uh, we have to forget that. We have to take the good things from it. Uh, the way we play, the, the group we have created, um, that we have made our fans proud is something that all the people in Paris, when they approach to you, they, they, they say that to you, that they are proud of us. And that's the most beautiful feeling in, in, in life for a football player. Of course, trophies are good. Um, money is, is is good but for me the most important thing is the feelings that you create in the fans and that's something that will stay forever yeah so Robbie we, we are seeing more of Ander Herrera we know that PSG need to improve in terms of their midfield not necessarily the names but in terms of you know linking up with with, with the front three and uh, remaining solid and you know Ander Herrera in that sort of uh, number eight position he he has been doing a good job Absolutely. I think I think the important thing is that he stays fit and he's shown, like he showed in Portugal, as we said, and, and I chatted to him about it during the interview, about the final eight in Lisbon as well, his role as a, as a box-to-box midfielder. He's not the same profile as Julian Draxler. He's not the same profile, probably closer to a Idrissa Garnagay, but he's very different to Verratti, Paredes, to Marquinhos when he plays in midfield. So 
he's not going to play every match. If Sarabia comes back, he's a different profile as well. But he does give the coach that option of being a, a box-to-box midfielder, not the most creative, not the most destructive in a, in a defensive kind of way, but he's a hard worker. He gets the job down. He moves the ball quickly. Technically, he's a lot better, I think, than we gave him credit for when he first arrived last season as well. As you say, injury plagued. We hardly saw him last year. And above and beyond all that, he's a fantastic guy to have in the dressing room. And that is important as well. He loves to talk about football. He's polite. He's, he's nice to all the staff at PSG. He's always got time for everyone and to, to have a chat. And, uh, and that also is important. He's a, he's a good squad member. He's a good person to have around the club. And he gives Thomas Tuchel an option. It doesn't mean he's, an in, he's a first team, first name onto the, the starting eleven every week. But if you want to play a little bit more defensive, if you want to transition a little bit more quickly than perhaps a Verratti or a Paredes, then he's an option. Also, I think he adds, you mentioned his influence in the dressing room, but PSG, they do have a lot of people that you know lead through their technical ability and their, the way they dispatch games just through their technical ability. But if you look down down the spine of their team, obviously Navas is a, is a present voice on the pitch. Marquinhos has taken over the captain's armband. He's been vocal on the pitch for years now but going forward from that you know Verratti we only really hear when it's to moan at the ref um going the the front three they're not the loudest either so to have Herrera in that midfield as well he's a as you mentioned his you know workhorse uh attitude but he's also very very vocal and a bit of organization in the middle pitch never goes amiss yeah I I think having a professional like that just you know again touching on what Robbie said in in the dressing room I think it's a really good influence for someone somebody like Mbappe and a, a lot of the young players who can see a guy who's played for five seasons at, at Manchester United he's now playing at another very big club um and yeah you know we we talked about which game was it where they didn't they didn't kill it off it was against Rouse and you know this is a guy who I don't think he would stand for you know, showboating at one nil and two nil, he'll be saying, "Come on, guys, let's finish this game off. Let's stay professional." Mm-hmm. And I think that's what that's what PSG need. And we're we're gonna move on and talk about our déjà vu because that that's always a highlight of the podcast. You're listening to Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast, in association with our friends at BT Sport. Déjà vu is the opportunity for for you guys, our listeners, to get involved. Last week uh, we gave you a clue; you had to guess the player. I made my Ligue 1 Uber Eats debut at Bordeaux before turning out for Bastia, Angers and Caen. I now play alongside a former Lyon and Man United defender. I won the league title last season. The answer, which was um, correctly guessed by Habibar, Adam Cyrulnik, who says it was the hardest one yet, and JC Griggs, who is a Lyon fan. Well done. They all guessed that it was Enzo Crivelli. JC Griggs got it because he knew that... uh, Crivelli plays with Raphael, the former Leon and Man United defender. So well done, guys. That was a tough one, Ian. It was, absolutely. And it was an eye-opener to me because a few days later... They were drawn. They were drawn against PSG in the Champions League. So our Paris Saint-Germain's second match will be in Istanbul against uh, Bashakshir, as they're known. Bashakshir. Where there's and... also an Australian fullback by the name of Aziz Bayic, very good footballer as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, as he played in the World Cup, didn't he? Yep. But... Um, that means that Raphael is going to play against... No, not his two former PSG. teams because he didn't play for PSG, but he did play for Man United. Anyway, uh, let's let's move on then to this week's Deja Vu. I was born in the Paris region, but I first came to the four at Gangon in Brittany. Just four years ago, I was playing for Amiens reserve team in French football's fifth tier. 
but eventually I came into the pro world with Amiens and then Lyon. I had a very, very good Sunday. There you go. If you think you know that one, do send us an email, league1podcast at gmail.com, or you can uh, send in your answers on Twitter using the hashtag LeBourgeux. Now, we're going to move on to uh, our next feature game. It was another Armel Tangi game. He's getting the big ones at the moment. I have to say, Robbie's looking a bit disgruntled, getting a lot of uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not not so good games. <laughs> Ren against Rouse. It was uh, top against second bottom, but it was a close game as Armel Tangi uh, saw. First corner kick of the afternoon then for the visitors, Stade de Raus. And it comes from Zanelli. And against the run of play, Yunus Abdelhamid has opened the scoring for Raus. Rafinha wins it back for Ren high up the pitch. Kamavinga is breaking into the penalty box. The touch from Karassi is subtle and it is deadly. And that is a stunning goal from Ren. Rafinha's corner. Oh, flicked on at the front post and Damian de Silva, the captain, with Ren's second of the afternoon. The goal-scoring centre-backs are doing the job for Ren this season when it's not Nayef Aged, it's Damian de Silva, two each now for that duo. 25 minutes to go for Julien Stéphane to yet again prove his credentials as Ren coach, but Boulay Dia might be putting a spanner in his works. Boulay Dia has put a spanner in Ren's works. He finds the corner to get Ras back on level terms. So Armel Wren managed to come from behind to lead 2-1, but ended up dropping points 2-2. A good comeback, a good point for Rouse, who only had one point from five games uh, before that one. Will Wren be kicking themselves? Wren will be kicking themselves. Uh, they should not have been behind in that first half. That was pretty much Rouse's only chance that they scored from uh, a set-piece sloppy defending from Wren, um, who then just continued the way they'd been playing for the first 10 minutes and ended up scoring twice before half-time. And then were just unable to to kill the game off in the second half. And Boulay Dia, uh, Robbie's favourite, put the uh, put the chance away very well. He's, a, he's a good footballer. I, I have to, I don't, I'm terrible at predictions and, and spotting young talent, but that was one, I think. Uh, he might, he might be on the move today, he said after the game. Uh, a wry smile on his face when the um, his, um, interviewer Eng- said Brighton. English clubs, yeah, Brighton yeah. after oh, him. Good, good so, footballer. Uh, we'll, we'll see about that. But yeah, well-taken goal anyway. Um, so I think Wren will be disappointed. I mean, not not too much so because they're still top of the table and they're still unbeaten. Their start to the campaign has been absolutely fantastic and games like that are going to happen along the way and you know better to take a point from them than absolutely nothing. For Rouse, it's... Um, it's a, a bit of breathing room for them and for their coach who was coming under pressure. Uh, they are a much better team than their league standing currently indicates. They've got some very good players in their side. And despite, you know, I think there's there's a bit of a confidence crisis, which is why they were not able to really play the football that that they've been playing in the past two years. So defensively solid, etc. But um, they, you know, they should not be second bottom and I, I have faith that they will just get better and better. Their, Euro, their start with three rounds of Europa League qualifying hasn't helped them. They, they clearly were a bit tired going into the start of the season. So um, they'll, they'll, they'll come up. They, w- they won't be at the bottom of the table. I have faith in that team. Robbie, um, Rouse, you know, we, we, we sorry, Ren. <laughs> we, we don't necessarily think... Ren and Reims? We don't necessarily think they're going to maintain a, a title challenge, but... 
they're, they're still two points ahead of PSG. They're level on points now with Lille, who were very impressive. Lille winning 3-0 at, uh, at Strasbourg on Sunday. I mean, if you're going to win the title, you, you shouldn't be dropping points at home against Rance. True, but Rance, has, I think they're a good side. But uh, Ren, no, probably not. But do you expect anyone to really maintain a title challenge against, against Paris Saint-Germain? Perhaps that's the question, because Ren have been steadily improving. They're, they're looking aside. I mean, if you finish second the year before, your aim is to, to try and keep improving. But I think third behind Marseille. I think uh, they're probably focusing on having a solid Champions League campaign, aren't they, as well? And should we talk about their recruitment? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, they're, they're, they're perhaps top of the league in terms of the, uh, the transfer window. Ren have been brilliant. And we talked about Lyon's problems. We with... didn't talk about PSG's two oh, signings. Oh, true, true. We didn't talk about PSG's, do that very quickly? PSG's problems. Oh, gosh. I, gosh. I interviewed Moise Keane yesterday afternoon. Speaks very good French, very good English and Italian. Um, Lovely guy. He was there with his mum. His mum, it was a very touching moment. She said a few words at the end when we'd finished all the interviews and photos. And she said, I just want you to thank you for the welcome and I hope you look after my boy. Didn't Everton do that as well? And it didn't quite go... I was going to say, Robbie, that's lovely. I mean, I'm a nice guy. My mum's lovely as well. But is is Moise Ken going to... Going to be, uh, you know, a, a, well, he's on loan without use, option to buy. A useful addition. He's still only twenty years of age. Exactly. Didn't really happen for him at, at Everton. I'm looking at his stats: two goals scored. Um, he only featured in six starts, twenty-three sub appearances. We didn't get mm-hmm. didn't get too much football, but no, he's he an Italian international in, already. Two years ago, he was superb with Juventus, and mm. hopefully, he can, you know, with that sort of situation around him, with these players around him. I don't think he's anyone's thinking he's first choice. In, a, in, the, in the Paris Saint-Germain squad that you have. But I think he will, he will blossom with the likes of Icardi, Mbappe, Neymar around him, Sarabia, Di Maria. Okay. In, importantly for me, he's uh, very much in the Icardi mould, out mm-hmm. and out forward. And that will mean that... And he's a lot bigger Tom- in real life than I thought But he that was. will mean that Thomas Tuchel, when Icardi's not available to him or having to be rested, won't have to change the way he sets up his team, which he's had to in the past, putting in... Chupamotting and and Cavani, totally different players to Mauro Icardi. Moises Keane is a lot more in that out-and-out forward mould, and I think that's good for Paris Saint-Germain's continuity this season. Perhaps more importantly, um, maybe not, but perhaps more importantly, Danilo is supposed to be signing today from from FC Porto. All done. Okay, so that's official. On loan as well? On loan, but with option to buy. For so the is Porto this the, the, the Sentinel, the holding midfielder that PSG have been waiting for? 29 years of age, lots of experience, capped 39 times by Portugal. Um, a very popular figure back home, um, an important player for Porto through the years. Is he going to be the guy who's going to sit in front of that PSG defence and, and, and bring the best out of this team? Watch him turn into a box-to-box midfielder within six months. <laughs> No, I think he's. I think he is a good number six. I think he's that that option. But uh, it, it's true. It's a funny comment from Armel. That's what Idrissa Garnagay was brought in to do, and we saw that perhaps after his time at Everton, that he he is more of a box to boxer. Danilo, he's got plenty of experience. A European champion in 2016. Um, a giant of a man and uh, very intelligent footballer. Tactically very aware. And I think it is that player that we need to just sit in front of the defence. Importantly, it's not just for his position, it's also for Marquinhos in the centre of defence again because this is all musical chairs, it's all chemistry, it's all about finding balance. Marquinhos and Kimpembe, with, it allows you to have Tilo Kerrer, Abdou Diallo as 
replacement centre backs and also gives you an extra number in midfield. Uh, okay, Robbie, you seem it's happy. Positive. You seem happy. The big question is: Is Thomas Tuchel happy? Uh, he Last also week, speaks very good English as well. Thank you. Okay, that's <laughs> great. Speaks good English. Uh, he's got a lovely mum. These the, the, these are all important things. But are they players that Thomas Tuchel wants? Because we saw last week in a press conference, Thomas Tuchel saying our squad is weaker than last season. Basically, piling pressure on the club, piling a bit of pressure on Leonardo, the sporting director, who responded in fairly aggressive fashion, or certainly it was direct. He said that uh, Thomas Tuchel's words surprised everybody and uh, surprised people at the club and not and not just him and I think turned the table somewhat putting pressure on, on on Thomas Tuchel so there is this let's not say infighting but there is a war of words going on between Thomas Tuchel and and Leonardo and Armel it's you know we've seen this over the last decade at PSG it doesn't always seem to be harmonious it doesn't well you've got you know two shall we say important figures at the at the forefront of a club and they come like players with a certain, I don't know if ego is the right word at this point in their, in their lives, you know, with players being younger, ego is more of an important thing, but um, they're characters that carry weight in their decisions and they trust their own decisions and they want their decisions to be the final ones. That applies for Tuchel and that applies for Leonardo. Um, So there is always going to be some form of confrontation between between two figures at the forefront of a club, it's just a shame when they kind of spill over into the press and that's when problems happen, really. It's not quite like the harmonious goings-on at Rennes where uh, Florian Maurice is just, you know, he's just sat down in his comfy chair at Rosenberg. Well, we were talking about Rennes a moment ago. Well, I know, Rennes, <laughs> Rennes fans who are listening to us must be getting fed up, but it, it, we did want to talk about those PSG signings mm. and the situation at, at PSG. But certainly Florian Maurice at Wren seems to be doing a wonderful job. So another discordant tone as well is happening at Lille at the moment where Galtier and Luis Campos are not getting along uh, by all accounts like a house on fire either. Okay. Okay. Well, before Wren fans switch off in, in fury, <laughs> let's just talk <laughs> let's about their back. signings a bit. Martin Terrier, Naif Aguerd and uh, Seru Girassi. They were the three that came in earlier in the summer. Aguerd and Girassi have been absolutely tremendous already. Aguerd at the back, Girassi centre forward. Um, so Daniele Rugani was at the game, um, the Italian international defender who uh, has joined from Juventus. I imagine Dalbert was there too, who joined from Inter Milan uh, 20 minutes earlier, according to their Twitter feed anyway. On, so uh, Dalbert, yeah, a very good very left good back. I mean, we saw him at, at Nice and he's been, um, by all accounts, doing well in Italy with, with Inter. And Jeremy Doku, the uh, young, exciting uh, Belgian international forward, who it seems is going to replace Rafinha, who, as we speak on Monday, is bound for Leeds. But uh, yeah, Doku... Let's, let's not forget Alfred Gomez as well. Who Alfred came Gomez, in the, goalkeeper. the goalkeeper. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with uh, Edouard Mendy going the other way. But Doku, 26 million euros would be Rennes' record signing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, they've gone about their business quietly, efficiently. And the team definitely looks stronger. No doubt. I mean, Rugani, um, I haven't seen much of the player, but, you know, just checking him out for for the game that I commentated this weekend, he's got over 100 appearances for Juventus. You can't be that bad when, when that's the case. So good, good signing at centre-back, a position where they needed a bit of backup. Well, Lille are level with Rennes. Rennes have 14 points from their six matches. Lille were 3-0 victors in uh, in Strasbourg and they were really impressive. Um, our listener, Alexandre Tremblay, 
or Tremblay. I, I don't know if to do it in the French or the or the English way. He's telling us, giving us a bit of background on Jonathan David, because we do need to call him Jonathan David, as Alexandra tells us. He's very much a Francophone Canadian. Um, he says, there was a moment, this is uh, Alexandre Tremblay, there was a moment of doubt on last week's pod um, concerning what language Jonathan was comfortable speaking in. As I mentioned, Ottawa is one of the most bilingual cities in the world. Not only do you have the city of Gatineau, Quebec, right across the Ottawa River, but the city is surrounded by Franco-Ontarian suburbs such as Orléans. Jonathan went to school in um, French. He learned everything in French at the École Secondaire Louis Riel. And uh, the French language was also an important factor in his decision to play for La Gantoise in Belgium. So thank you for all that background, Alexandre. Unfortunately, Jonathan didn't score, but he was very much involved. You know, I saw the highlights of that game. And uh, Renato Sanchez looked to be back to his best. Burak Yilmaz scored and, uh, and had another strong game. So um, exciting times for, for Lille. It's not one of our featured games because Robbie's desperate to... Um, Exactly. To, to talk about the Southern Derby. <laughs> and it was, you know, this is a big derby, by the way. I'm laughing, but Montpellier-Nîmes is a serious grudge match. Um, and yeah, Montpellier were at home. They started as the big favourites. Let's, uh, let's listen to what happened from the Stade de la Mosson. They've made four changes. Montpellier, there's still one more that can be made as that's a good ball and a good run from Ferrat looking for Ripa. And he scored! Renault Ripart has provided that moment of magic. And the Matador from Nim may just have found the goal. That will give Nim their first win over Derby rivals Montpellier since 1992. Well, Robbie, you didn't have a huge number of goal mouth chances to, to commentate. It finished 1 0, though, thanks to that Ripart. Breakaway, and it, you know it's it's a massive win, isn't it? And a massive goal. It's, it's Nîmes' first ever win at the Stade de la Mosson in Liga. They'd only ever won one of seven previous Liga meetings between the two sides. Interestingly, Montpellier lost their first match of the season and are then undefeated and could have moved equal top with Rennes provisionally before Rennes played yesterday with another win. Nîmes had gone the other way. They won their first game and then were winless in four. And this was a a really strange match. It wasn't, it was, you just felt it lacked that energy that the crowd would have brought to a, to a big derby match like this. And I think that's something we're going to talk about as well. So, so keep that in mind when uh, you have these derby matches. There was, there was talk before the game, the Montpellier fans were all there, a la PSG versus Dortmund, lining the streets as the team bus arrived towards the stadium to, uh, to rev them up. It didn't work. The match was a little bit lacklustre. I think both sides had a certain fear of losing. Um, and it didn't happen for, for Montpellier. Nîmes were very good. They pressed high up the field. They didn't let Montpellier play. The Montpellier players said that's what, what they'd expected but uh, from their game plan. And then Renault Rippard getting the goal in, in just, five minutes from time. Yeah, just a word about Renault Rippard because I, I saw earlier this season he was playing as a fullback. He's, 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 he's played the, everywhere. He's I the think. club yeah. captain. Where, where, where did he start? And, you know, just tell us a bit about you, because it, it is amazing when you see like a guy who is neemed through and through scoring a goal like that. You know, it's it's kind of what the fans love, isn't it? And it was, you know, it was a big moment. Yeah, I've commentated Neem already a couple of times this season and seen Rena Ripa play right back and left back already. He was uh, on the attacking left wing of a, a four three three, um, and they looked quite good. They they were there to counter attack, transition quickly. Ferrat on the right. Um, 
and, and Ripa on the left um, looked good. They had uh, Denki through the middle up front. For, for He's playing a little bit more this year as well. He's their youngest ever goal scorer in the top flight. Scored with his first ever touch in Ligue 1 football four years ago. He's still just 20 years of age. Togo International. Um, didn't see enough of the ball, but Ripa and Ferrat are, are very good players. Ferrat's got the classy skills. Ripa is a hard runner. He's a big, strong boy. And as you say, Matt, as I, I was just going to mention, for his goal celebration, he does. He's, he's nim through and through. He's the matador. He's the, the toreador. So when he scored, he jumped the fence right in front of a big Montpellier banner that said, explode them. For, for the Montpellier players to explode the NIM players, and he did his uh, his bullfighting run. So, uh, yeah, good good for him, good for NIM, um, and very disappointing for Montpellier. Good stuff, uh, Robbie. Just a, a quick wrap of what have happened elsewhere. Lens are going great guns. 2-0 victors over Saint-Étienne. Nice got a, a win that they really needed, 2-1 against Nantes. So they're sort of back in, in business now. Um, Bordeaux, we've been critical of them. Haven't scored too many goals, but they got three against Dijon. Three nil, the score there. Dijon still bottom. Brest uh, causing an upset. They beat Monaco by one goal to nil. Romain Fevre, the former Monaco player, scoring there. Um, Ibrahim Nian hit a hat-trick for Metz. Metz beating Lorient 3-1. And the Senegalese striker is now top scorer in Liga with six goals. He has scored all of Metz's goals this season, now, he looks well capable of filling Habib Diallo's boots. With Diallo uh, reported to be uh, on the brink of a move today. Now we're just going to have a bit of discussion about football in France and what it's been like in the last couple of months, in particular since since we've had uh, the the start of the season. Ander Herrera talked in depth with with Robbie about what football is like without supporters. So before we have our sort of take on things, let's hear from Ander Herrera, who. Um, you know, he's a very experienced guy, has lived for football, you know, since he was a, a little boy, grew up in um, in or around Bilbao, didn't he? And it played for Athletic Bilbao before... Before, before that, Zaragoza. Zaragoza, thank you, Rob. Um, and he knows what it's about in terms of club loyalty, um, what supporters mean to the to these football clubs. So let, let's hear from Ander Herrera talking to Robbie Thompson. The only thing we can do right now is, is to try to be professional, to try to um, to win games, try to make our fans happy. And the only thing I can say that we are really looking forward to play with them behind us. To For us and for me in particular, uh, football without fans doesn't make sense. Uh, I understand this is a big business. A lot of people um, live um for football and by football I mean and we have to continue playing but uh, it's very difficult for us to play without fans that's something that we talk every day between us football I don't know how long ago was made by fans uh, and for me it's for fans I also understand I'm not I cannot lie to myself this is a big business but uh, without fans it, it loses uh, sense. That's that's my opinion. When I was a kid, when I was a, a young lad, I used to go to 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 my club stadium, Real Zaragoza, to to the stadium, um, dreaming to play with 35, 40, 45,000 behind me. Even if you go away and they uh, they are not very nice with you, that's the feeling you want to have when you are a football player, when you are a professional football player. And now we are not able to do it. That's so, so sad. 
that is the world situation. We cannot change that. Football is is about passion, and I think if you don't have that, um, it's better that <laughs> you don't play football, because first of all, we represent our fans. Um, I have always said that I'm not going to lie. I hate when when players come to a club and they say I am a fan of this club since I was a kid. <laughs> I hate that. But the only thing I can do is represent my fans, represent the history of my club the best way. Every time I wear. PSG shirt, I try to think the way our fans think and I try to defend the club the way they would. Uh, and luckily they are not able to play. Uh, some of them they are, like uh, Presco for example, he's a PSG fan and, and he's able to represent his club. But the other players, we just try to defend our colors, defend our people, defend our fans the way they would do. Well, Robbie, I mean, fascinating stuff from, from Ander Herrera and it's quite heartwarming, isn't it, in this sort of difficult era where supporters are not really, you know, able... You know, for so many people, it's a massive part of their life going to a stadium on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday evening, whatever it is. And, and they've had that taken away for, from them. And it, it's, it's heartwarming for me to hear, you know, highly paid professional just totally aware of, of, of what it means and what the soul of football um, is about. Exactly. He, he actually said... Football is not football without the fans. In the interview, and there, there, we talked about this a lot, so go and have a listen to the, the main thing. He talks about growing up in Saragossa and, and what it was for him to go to the stadium and, and be a part of that. Yeah, the full Under Herrera interview uh, will be available for, for upload on the, the Le Bourge page, so do keep your, your eyes peeled for that. But it's just that, that he cannot disassociate football from the fans. And, it, and it's honest. And that's what I think, Matt, you're saying. It's, it's so refreshing. And he says, he's not, he's not kidding himself. He said, that, look, football has given us a lot of stuff. We understand it's a big business. He loves getting paid. But even if he wasn't paid what he is paid, his salary, and that also was refreshing to have a player talk about that like that and admitting just say, look, it, yeah. admitting it, look, we get paid a fortune to play football. That's great for us as well. But I would still play because I love football. And for me, it has to be for the fans. It was created for fans and playing without them. And we were just talking about the, the derby in the south where, where sometimes passions can overflow, the PSG versus Marseille, the, the Lyon Saint-Étienne's. You do miss it when you don't have fans in the stadiums. And Ander is just saying, they talk about it in the dressing room. He says the team talk about trying to play in these empty stadiums and how do you motivate yourself? How do you not feed off that energy that you get from the fans? And especially we saw it in a game against Marseille where nobody was able to deal with the the pressure maybe because the fans weren't there because you didn't have that that energy to change that game and uh and uh, he's a great guy and uh I think, I think go have a listen it's interesting yeah really interesting I, I liked what you said about Kimpembe as well because we don't realize that that's something that could be significant within a dressing room as well saying mm-hmm. Kimpembe is lucky because he's got the chance to play for his boyhood team um, and uh, did, did did as well earlier in his career and you know it, it shows because as fans we like to think you know, we always have kind of a soft spot for the homegrown players and we like to think that they love the club that little bit more. And, uh, you know, it, it, it clearly must make a difference to somebody like, like Kimpembe and other homegrown players. And, you know, PSG can go and sign Neymar and, of course, that's fantastic. But it's also fantastic to have, to have these, these young Parisians in the team. How, how have you found Ligue 1, Armel? Like obviously, we've been commentating mainly off-tube. You were at the Parc des Princes at uh, uh, PSG Angers on, uh, on Friday. Well, I, I mentioned it briefly last week. I, I find it difficult to to kind of read the intensity of games when when fans aren't there. There's so much less colour. Um, there's there's far less going on for you to sort of 
it's bizarre because uh, obviously the fans get excited about what's happening on the pitch and us as, as commentators we do as well but without the without the, the the everything that's going on in the background it almost feels like like it's not almost worth getting excited about we have to because it's our job and we want the people at home to enjoy the game as if the fans were there but it is it is tricky and um commentating well, we feed off that energy the same way the players absolutely. do probably and, yeah. and commentating at the Parc des Princes on on Friday night the 1000 fans were directly beneath me so i couldn't see anyone and it's you know you kind of you hear you hear some clapping when neymar nutmegs someone but it there's you know there's just not that I I I I'm with Herrera. I don't think football is worth much without without supporters. So I'm 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 finding yeah. it quite difficult at the moment as well. Yeah, I, I was commentating Leon Marseille off tube, so in a in a, in a commentary booth, and you know it was the same. The supporters were obviously the side where the camera was, so I could hear some noise, but I couldn't see any supporters. And I think as a commentator, you kind of feel like you need to talk a bit more because uh, when there are supporters, you know that's kind of, it's part of the. The, the package if if you want you know that you, you people at home they want to hear the fans reactions they want to hear the songs and and you can kind of let that it, let it, that run a bit when a goal goes in you know normally you're like oh and, and it's in and there we go score bang and usually i'd let the crowd then do do about 10 seconds worth of atmosphere then you're like oh, oh crap nothing's happening yeah so <laughs> with the lack of fans and the var so you're not quite sure the goals are just a bit weird you're like oh, yeah. it's a goal is it well hang on no one's cheering. The referee's mm. looking or touching her ear or his ear. Yeah, it's, it's all a bit weird. Um, but yeah, like Robbie said, great interview with Ander Herrera. It's, it's well worth your time listening to, uh, to all of it. Um, and you can find it on our webpage. It's time to look ahead. We've got an international break coming up, but uh, the League on action returns on Friday, the 16th of October. And it's time for us to keep our fingers crossed that we will be allowed to go on a bon voyage. Yeah, so just a quick look um, before the guys give uh, give their thoughts. Um, we've got Dijon Ren. That's the first game back Friday, the sixteenth of October, seven p.m. local time. Nîmes against PSG is nine p.m. local time. Uh, that's uh, it's live on BT Sport in in the UK, eight p.m. in the UK. The other big matches: Marseille Bordeaux Saturday night, nine p.m. local time, eight p.m. in the UK, live on BT Sport. Um, and then the the big Sunday night clash. This is this is one to watch, definitely. Uh, Lille against Lens because they've been waiting for a derby du Nord for quite some time. Lens back in the big time in their third in the standing. So Lille Lens, nine p.m. French time, eight p.m. UK time, live on BT Sport. Robbie Thompson, where do you fancy going round seven? Well, should should we all not go up to Lille for this one? I think it's uh, something we've all been waiting for probably for a long time. No, we can make a we can do a road trip before if we are going to go back into lockdown. We can all head up there and and have a drink. Uh, I'm sure there's a going to be a good atmosphere even yeah. with the restrictions on there. But that's a big game. Is that Rob? It's is a that a, a genuine offer, or are you just saying that for the pod? No, no, genuine offer. Let's do it. Oh, let's do it. Who's who's driving? I can drive. Yeah. We'll get a minivan. <laughs> we'll get the get the get lads together. It's only an hour and a half from Paris. I will two hours up the up the road to Lille. Hour and a bit on the train. Even I'll put I'll put it in the diary. 
Yeah, put it in the diary. No, that Let's I mean it. it should be a good game. Fingers crossed that our man Ignatius Ganigo is okay. He got a, he got a bad injury, didn't well. Mm-hmm. He got. I, um, I was just looking. I haven't heard anything from it. I I was commentating no, the game. after the game, the game people were, were were a bit more reassuring oh. about the injury. Kolodzic okay. chat going through on uh, on his ankle. It was very similar to Perrin on Mbappe in the cup final for everyone that anyone that hasn't seen it, except that this one was in the penalty box. Okay. Um, Armel, you know, you're coming with us to Lille, but is there, yeah. is, is there, is there another game you fancy? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a couple there that I'll, I'll have to decide um, because Strasbourg-Leon tickles my fancy a little just because Strasbourg at home again, they allowed, I think, 2,000 ultras into the stadium mm-hmm. uh, this great. weekend having, yeah. having sent out a, you know, a real call to, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? They were trying to motivate the fans to come to and motivate the team because their team started dreadfully. So they sent out a, a message to their fans to, you know, we, we need the most vocal of you in the stadium. And it worked. So I'd like to go to La Menor and see them uh, thrash Leon. Um, otherwise, Monaco, Montpellier, because that's, that's, always, that's always a good game. I've done that a good few times in the past few seasons. I always enjoy it. Is I, looking at the fixtures, I'd love to be at Nîmes PSG at uh, the Stade de Costière because in recent times they've been fantastic games. But a lot of it is the supporters at Nîmes, isn't it? There's such a yep. you know you've got this sort of small stadium, fans really close to the pitch. I remember Mbappe losing his rag. Was it last season or the season before? Season before, yeah, sent off. He got sent off. Um, he's also scored he also a one- scored a fantastic yeah, goal. <laughs> fantastic goal. But um, yeah, and Neymar doing his crybaby celebration. <laughs> that was that was good Same fun. Game, I think, Matt. Yeah. It won't be the Did same. Did Maria score, score an Olympico as well, yeah. Yeah, direct yeah. from a corner? Fantastic story. Let's all go to Nîmes first. Yeah, let's we'll yeah. go to Nîmes on the Friday. We'll drive the whole length of France on Saturday, Sunday, and, and be ready for the game. And then all isolate for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Let's get this international break out of the way. Um, let's get Ligue 1 back. We need, to, we need to get to the grounds. Um, I hope everybody has, has enjoyed this uh, an official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast. In association, in association with BT Sport, sorry. Time for me to get some sleep. Uh, from from Robbie Thompson, Armel Tangi, and me, Matt Spiro. It's uh, it's goodbye. Have a great week, and we'll see you. We'll see you again after the international break. Goodbye, everyone.